uh, stated, we do need some help with our financial stating, our standing rather. If you are interested in helping us, we appreciate the church and what you do for us as a church, but we are needing about 20 individuals at $50 a month or somewhere around there. And if you can help us out, I have a brochure that you can pick up today. It tells you where the money is going and what we are doing with it. And let me just share with you what we are doing with it. I'll have these at the end of the service this morning if you were interested in that. Uh, we do, uh, we're in the country of Namibia. You'll see a picture of my family sometime. Ah, there we go. Uh, Catherine and Julia, you saw them in, in person. And uh, that was a treat for you. They don't travel everywhere with me. And my wife has given me, of course, the Eskimo kiss. Because I think that was actually taking in wintertime in Namibia. It's very similar to the weather you have here in the winter. And uh, you didn't have winter this year, is what somebody told us. They said, no, we didn't have winter. So this is what I thought you had as well. It is uh, Namibia. How many of you have heard of Namibia before? Do we have any Namibians this morning? Any Afrikaners? South Africans? Are you from South Africa? Nigeria. Any other Africans? You're from where? Nigeria as well. Where are you from? Cape Town. Oh, Kuyamora. That's good morning in Afrikaans, if you don't know. Um, we we want to say thank you for having us. We are, are grateful to be here this morning. And my Afrikaans is not that good. And... Um, it's getting better. My wife and I went to uh, university to learn Afrikaans. And uh, my wife keeps telling me, you know, you don't have to roll the R there. It's only in some spots. And, and, but I roll it all the time anyways. You know, when we got Tim Hortons to roll up the room, it comes really easy in Afrikaans. It's, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just kind of keeps you normal, right? It's like, well, we don't have Tim Hortons, but you can make the sounds like it anyways. We do four things in the country of Namibia. We reach... There is uh, just over 2 million people in the, in the total population of the country of Namibia. This is actually a picture of the capital city of Windhoek. And um, in the capital city of Windhoek, it's about the size of Saskatoon, so about just over 200,000 people. And uh, in fact, it is kind of underreached as a nation. If you were to go to the, to the poor areas of the city, so we, not only do we reach this nation... But we also plant um, because we hope to reach the people. So to reach the people, we want to plant churches. We've planted to date in the last two years since we've been there four churches. And uh, this is a picture of one of those churches. This church is actually in uh, tribal language of Ashavambo. And every Sunday morning, there are services in that language. And there is about 70 people there. This church only started about a year and a half ago. And uh, we started three others as well, so four churches in total. The one church we have, um, not this one, but another one that we planted in the heart of the city, has uh, Kenyans, Ugandans, uh, Zimbabweans, Zambians, of course, uh, Namibians and Canadians. And um, it is a delight to say that we planted a church, and in two years, we well, actually went from seven to 70 in one year, and in the very first two years of that church, they are already giving missions money to support the struggling works in their own country. And that's honestly, church, what needs to happen. 
Namibia is not a poor country. They have resource wealth. They have diamonds, of which they don't let us take some home to show you. Um, so they have, they have resource wealth aplenty. But yet, most people still struggle. In fact, uh, 90% of the people of the country of Namibia live on $2 a day Canadian or less. And the cost of living is exactly what you pay here. So we need to plant churches that will help fund the work in those in that country. So we reach, we plant, we equip. Um, of the 23 churches that we work with with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Namibia, only two have their Bible college training of any kind. And uh, so my job is to travel the country north, south, east, and west and to train pastors, to help them out with the regular things of how does, how does church happen. And um, I've actually had the chance to go to Angola and, and do the, a similar type of setting in a, in a seminar there for a weekend. But we are thanking God that he is using us in equipping pastors the next slide, please, will actually show you a picture of their very first uh, general conference, of which was held just two years ago. Um, they didn't even have a national church constitution to tell them why they do what they do and how to evaluate that. So, in fact, when we landed, that was question one on my mind is, okay, what framework do I need to work in? And uh, so we actually created or helped them to create a, na- a, lo- a national constitution and uh, when we go back this coming year, we'll be actually working on their policy manual and helping with that. And the implementation is the biggest thing. We also do, and this is one that is, is near and dear to our hearts, not that the others aren't, is caring. You know, we thank God for your church that supports us on a, on a monthly basis. You know, we are not in the country of Namibia on our own. We are the only PAOC missionaries there, but we are not alone. You are there with us. Your support helps us. It carries us through. And not just your financial support, but your prayer support. We want to say thank you for that. You know what? We are honored and we are blessed to often be your hands extended. And we work with Namibians like the next slide that you will see. That's Hadipo and Rosalia and their two boys. Uh, We work with nationals to reach the people in that nation. You know, we had a a Christmas program uh, where we worked with one of the local churches where we fed 450 children. And uh, and my wife was, you know, worked with that and we were there, my girls. We helped put the presents together and all the stuff, the food and everything to go to these kids. And it was a blessing to be there, to be your hands extended. You know, we, we get to hug and to touch and to hold and to cuddle these young Namibian children who don't have anything. Nothing. In, in fact, I, the one picture that sticks on my mind, it's funny, but yet it's very sad. Is a, is a young little boy about this high running around, around the one church with just a diaper and a belt. He's got a belt. Don't ask me why he has a belt, but he doesn't have a pair of pants to put on. But that's what he has. And we get to be there and to hold them and to tell them that Jesus loves them. And, you know, that song that was played on the violins, how, how he, he loves us. You know, so true. And we want to say thank you for allowing us to be your hands extended in the country of Namibia. We, we don't take for granted your support. Please know that we, we cherish it and we honor you. And we actually 
have to ask ourselves many times, God, what do you want us to do? How do we best use the funds that the Canadian church has invested in us and entrusted to us to use? So God has asked us to be there. You know, we left, we pastored in Namibia, or not in Namibia, uh, where am I? We pastored in Killarney before going to Namibia. So we are from western Manitoba. We are, uh, we are, we know you well. We know the streets. We know the restaurants together. Pastor Ren and I and Heidi actually went to school with, the Bible school with my wife and I. And, uh, I, I think I'm maybe a couple months older or days older, but that's about it. Maybe younger. Um, but you know what? Wherever God calls you, whether it be from South Africa, Nigeria, wherever God calls you from and to, it's God who's calling. You know what? The last thing I want to do is take a step where God is not calling me to take a step. The last thing I want to do is to go somewhere where God does not want me to go. How many of you understand that? Because if God isn't in it, I'm not interested in being frustrated. If God isn't in it, I'm just not going to go and say, oh, let me go and see how frustrated I can become. I've tried that. It's not very fun. If you have your Bibles with me, you can turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 24 and verse 12, and it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. Verse 13, So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua. You've got to like that right there. Just we stop for a moment. It's not part of my notes, but it's just an aside. You know, God calls Moses, and all of a sudden, his assistant has to go up the mountain with him. You know, sometimes I'd be the assistant and say, well, you go do the work. You come back and just, you know, you can tell me what you did, right? I mean, it, it, Pastor Vern, if, if God called Pastor Gary to the high Arctic, I'm sure you'd be blessed and just say, Pastor Gary, you go ahead and just come back and... You can tell me what the article was like when you get back. Yeah, amen. But Joshua didn't get that choice, see? He had to go along. So Joshua and Moses went up to the mountain of God. It was a call to be there. It was a call to be there. And and Moses had to hear that call. Now, how many of you remember... And I know that you do if you're about my age. Maybe even remember you're younger. My girls will tell you this. Sometimes they come with us and we run into old friends. And we'll say, yeah, you know them. You met them when you were four. You know, and our girls like, well, I don't know you. You know, why do I have to go, you know, meet some auntie who kisses me on the cheek who I don't know? It's not all that fun. You know, they kind of got just dragged along because of their age. But as they are getting older, they have a choice. We all have a choice to be there. It's a personal summons. It's a personal call. In fact, God has not just called us as a family to to Namibia. He's called you to your neighbors. He's called you to your coworkers. He's called you to your classmates. He's called you to the person next to you. He's called you to the person that you don't even get along with. 
He's called us. It's a personal call. It's a call to be there. God calls each one of us to be there with Him. God says, I want you to be where I am. Now, it's not that we hated Killarney. I mean, we loved it. It was a good church. We enjoyed our ministry there. And while God had us there, we had a good time. But when God called us to go somewhere else, it wasn't just the desire of not having to see snow again that was the desire to go. It was a desire because God had called us to go. And, you know, time and time again, church, we rely on that. And you know what I know? Is that God calls you the exact same way. And in the middle of our call, in the middle of your call and my call, we have to say to ourselves, God has called me. And if he's called us, we will go. You know, sometimes we go, we, we go tired. Sometimes we go alone. Sometimes we go hungry. Sometimes we go in need. Sometimes we go where we're isolated. But God is calling us. And he's calling you. Now you can fight that call. You can say, well, I don't want to. But it doesn't stop him from calling you. Just because you fight the call of God does not mean that God will stop calling you. It doesn't mean that God wants to stop using you. It just means that one of these days you're going to have to listen. Because when you, when you disobey from God, there's a price to pay. You know, whatever that price is, I don't know what it is, but there's a price to be paid when we don't listen to God. In the Old Testament times, when they were disobedient to God, they had to sacrifice. Now, it's easy to sacrifice the cattle that has three legs, but that's not the one you were to give. You gave the best. You gave absolutely the very best. Now, if you're going to be disobedient year after year after year, well, you're soon left with a, with a herd of animals that aren't worth anything. And God calls you and I to be obedient to Him, and He would rather that we be obedient than to sacrifice. Be there. In silence and submission. Waiting for me. Be there because I'm coming to meet with you. Moses, that was God's call. Be there and you won't be disappointed. You know, if I call you for dinner, in your mind, you've probably got a picture of what dinner is going to look like. It's not going to be burned, right? It's going to be more than just meat, unless you're in Namibia, and it'll be just mostly meat. But if I call you for dinner, you're going to expect something. You're going to have a picture in your mind. Now, when God calls us, we've got a picture in our mind. Sometimes we have it all worked out. Sometimes you've got it all mapped out. It's just going to work out well. It's going to do perfect. There's going to be no obstacles, no struggles. It's just going to be a smooth sailing. It's not always so. Because when he calls us, he doesn't call us to disappoint us, but that doesn't mean that the road is just smooth. So be there and you won't be disappointed. It's a choice to be there. So it says, so Moses arose in verse 13, and Moses went to the mountain of God. It's a choice to go. It's a choice to listen to God. When we were pastoring in Killarney, and, and I don't know, we, hopefully we don't broadcast this in Killarney, but Okay, it's the second best church after Calvary Temple Brandon. 
You know, when he called us to go, it's not like we were leaving someplace where we just had to get out of. It was not like we were frustrated and, and disappointed there. No, we were simply hearing God's voice. When he said, will you go? It was a personal choice. And we've each have one of us as a family have made that personal choice. You know, it's often hard to come and separate ourselves to the place of listening to God. Sometimes we have our own lives figured out. Sometimes we run ahead of God and say, God, this is exactly what I want it to be. Instead of saying, God, what do you want? God, what are you saying? What do you want for me, God? You see, as leaders, we're called to lead from the overflow. You can't lead from an overflow. You can't lead from an excess if you've not been connected to the source. It's pretty well impossible. Oh, your charisma will get you a couple of weeks in the pulpit, but that's about it. We're called to lead from the, from the overflow. We're called to be connected to God. We gain so much when we are there in the presence of God, and we lose so much when we move away from the presence of God. It's a personal choice, but it's also a choice often made with struggles. It's often made with struggles. You know what? Jesus, when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knew that God had called him for a purpose, to save mankind. And he prayed and he said, Father, if there's another way, hey, God, if you could do it some other way, if you can save mankind some other way, then let this cup pass from me. Let it be some other way. He knew what was going to happen. Didn't he? But he prayed and he said, Lord, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I I want to do your will, God. But externally, it's just going to be hard. Each one of us are probably in that place at certain times. Where we want to hear God, where we want to be obedient to God, and we say, yes, Lord, yes, I will do it. I will follow you. And the Spirit is so willing, but oftentimes we just get there and it's like, oh, I didn't know that this was the cost. It's often made with struggles and conflicts. But there's some consequences to being there when we are obedient to God. It says, then Moses arose in verse 15 and he went up to the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. You see, God wants you to be there. Why? Because God is going to show up. When God calls you to something, God will be there. Trust me, church, we've had to rely on that many times. When we tried to go into Namibia the very first time, and, and this is, you know, if you're going to pray for patience, you ever pray for patience? Am I the only one? No, didn't think so. When we went in, we thought, oh, yeah, just smooth sailing. We sent our work permits eight months before we left Canada. Eight months the Namibian government had them. They lost them, though. They didn't tell us that until we got there. They lost them, so we resubmitted our application for work permits. Guess what they did the second time? They lost them again. 
We submitted them then a third time. Then they take our passports, stick them in a cardboard box, a shoe box, and they hang on to them for a month. It's different. It doesn't quite work like here. Those of you who are new to Canada, things are different here, aren't they? A. And we just have to trust God, that God, you know, you have this in your hands. God, you know what is going to take place. So God, I trust you. And when we are there, when we trust in him, he does show up. He does show up. I thank God that he's kept our family safe. I've hit some animals. I've hit some taxis with my car. And God has kept us safe in all of it. But I don't know about you, but when I read in this text that for seven days, well, Moses was there for more than seven, but it says that he was there and he went up to the mountain and he's, he's waiting for God. Husbands, how many of you have to wait for your wife? To get you in trouble. Now, when I've got to wait for my wife, I've learned. I'm learning to be patient. I just tell her we're leaving a half hour before we really have to leave, and it usually works out okay. But now when we're talking about time and Moses climbs this mountain because God's called him to the mountain and he's waiting. And he's waiting. And he's waiting. Six days? I mean, my wife has never been six days late. How many of you are praying for something right now? Go ahead. How many of you are praying for something? You need God to answer a prayer. Don't give up praying. Don't give up praying. Don't say, you know what, I prayed once. I prayed yesterday and it's still... You know, sometimes we think that we can pray and open our eyes and say amen and the answer is there before us. That does happen. I'm not telling you it doesn't. But there's also times where it's the next day. Or the next day. Or even the next day. Moses waited for seven days. And then God showed up. And for 40 days, God revealed his plan to Moses of of the priestly garments, of what the tabernacle would look like. He saw the finger of God write the Ten Commandments. I mean, pretty amazing stuff. And he would have missed all that if he would have went up to the top of the mountain and said, okay, God, I'm here, and then left again. But he chose to be obedient. He chose to stay where God was. To hear what God had to say. So, you know, so much so the glory was on him that when he came down, they had to put a veil over his face. Because he was just that much in the presence of God. You know, God has much to show us, each one of us. He has much to show you and I. I want to encourage you, if God is speaking to you, Don't just say, well, that never happened. Continue to trust God. Continue to believe that God will be there. Because God does show up. And sometimes even we'll have to be there alone. 
And that's okay. But be there. Be a conduit for God's message to God's people. Say, God, will you use me to speak? God, will you use me to be an encouragement to the church here in Calvary Temple? Will you use my life, God, to not only impact this city, this province, this nation, but the nations of the world? God, would you use me? And God will. So be there and you won't be disappointed. Be there and you won't be disappointed. I have a clip that I want to show you, and then I'm going to ask Pastor Gary to come at the end of the clip, but let me just set it up before we press play. As I stated earlier, we are blessed to be able to be your hands extended. We get to touch the lives of people in Namibia every day. But it's not just us, it's you. It's your giving that allows us to be there. And it's it's your generosity that allows us to be your hands extended. The story is is a young mother who has AIDS. Her name is Marcelia. And we were just blessed to be able to be your hands, his hands, extended to her life and to her children. If we are ready, we can play the clip, please. that uh, if you can uh, introduce us to these beautiful kids here, what are their names? Their name, this one is, is Hilia Sekupe and this one is Lahia and Lokelo. Oh, Lahia and Hilia, yes. what are beautiful names. Do, do we have the vernacular names maybe, the names in Oshuambo? Yes, this is... Shekupe. Shekupe? Mm. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I believe Shekupe <coughs> will then means to give out and Dilokewa will mean let it pour on me or let it rain on me. And so those are the traditional names that are given to twins. But how do you feel when, 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 when someone that you just don't know provide uh, uh, food for these two lovely babies? I feel so good and blessed. What are your dreams for them? What are the, your future plans for them? What do you want them to become? Yeah. <laughs> 
Stand with me this morning. Thank you for that message this morning and report of what the Lord is doing in that country. God wants to transform the world one by one, and we have a great part to play. And as you heard this morning, all of us are missionaries. All of us have a word to declare. All of us have a mission upon this earth to be used and called to the Lord. Our first service, this word came forward that I want to share with you, and the Bible says that he gave gifts to the church, and when the church comes together as the body of Christ, everyone has a gift, and the gift of the Holy Spirit, one of the gifts are the word of exhortation, word of encouragement, let me read this to you. Precious children, I call you each by name, I see you, I know you, and I love you. I call you mine, my people, my church, my hands, my feet, my voice. I have equipped you to go into the world and do my will. Meet we where I am. I have a plan for you. I am here with you. Meet with me. Lord, this morning we are thrilled with what you have called us to do. It's not just for one or two people, not just for the DeRosiers to go to Namibia, but Lord, it's for us to go into our city and wherever our world might be that you're calling us to. Thank you, God, that you send us and you also equip us. We never go alone. You said, I'll never, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. So God, I pray as we go our ways this week that we'd go with a sense of purpose, a sense of vision, a sense of the direction the Lord would have for us. And we thank you for that. Yeah. In Jesus' name. 